Are you afraid? You should be. I thought he was the man to lead us through the long night. A face will be added to the whole. You would spill blood in this holy place. The gods were mine. Show them what Lannisters are. And make no mistake. The dead are coming. Dragons do not do well in captivity. How do you know this? That's what I do. I drink and I know things. They have no idea. What's going down? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winter is Coming Game of Thrones podcast. This is Take the Black, and I'm your host, Razor. And I'm here with the usual suspects, Annie, Corey, Bone, first of his name, Corey Smith, and Isis Melton. How you guys doing? Uh, doing pretty good. I, I guess everybody's doing really, really, really well. <laughs> last, night, last night, we didn't have the episode maybe that everybody was expecting us to have. Maybe it was one of those transitional to transition episodes. I don't really know what to call it, but there were some cool scenes to talk about. Um, but I know a lot of people had some problems with why did we even send Arya to Bravos in the first place? Um, let's just get right into it. And I know, Corey Phone, you've got some thoughts on Arya, and that's where we're going to start this episode because we started with Lady Crane and that beautiful dialogue. She, she obviously upped her game um, in the acting department, and uh, all of Bravos was captivated. But then uh, we got some uh, wounded Arya, and all the theories about, is it sexy Jesus uh, wearing Arya's face? Is it a dream sequence? Uh, what's going on? Those were all thrown out the window as it was actually Arya, and she was gutted like a fish. So Corey Thone... How do you think about it? All right, well, I, I mean, the reason the audience was so enthralled by that scene was because the death happened in front of them and not told to us by a random soldier or whatever. Um, yeah, I'm saying off-screen deaths suck. Uh, and this show has a problem with it. So, Arya, I, I, don't, I don't question why she went to Bravos, why she joined the Faceless Men. They were always pretty upfront about that, that she... Didn't think she had a family left, really. Didn't have anywhere else to go. And she had a list of people she wanted to kill. And she saw uh, old Jackie Jackie H uh, stroll around. With a help-wanted yeah, help sign. With a help-wanted sign up front, yeah. He was, I mean, it was basically like he wa she watched him just murder the crap out of people really well. And she was like, I would like to do that to this list of people. Mm, so that's why she went right. over there. I, and and the, it's not a wasted trip over there because she now uh, does have the ability clearly to be deadly and to use the the three seasons worth of stuff that was taught to her. The problem I have is how sloppily they got her out of there. It was just... Would you say that she has a unique set of skills? <laughs> God. Usually I'm the one making those terrible jokes. So th is this how this feels all the time? Oh my God, it's awful. Uh, I still don't regret... Regret... regret. <laughs> I'm, I am some, I'm deep into some rum, so I still don't regret the LFO joke. So, uh, like I was saying, Arya, the way that they got her out of there, it felt rushed, it felt sloppy, and it didn't make any sense. Because if Ned gets cut in the leg and has to drink milk with a poppy and live in pain until the end, and if uh, Cal Drogo dies from a paper cut on his peck, how in the <laughs> hell... Does Arya get 
gut shanked three or four times with a twist, a knife twist, just for good measure, dive into what I can only assume is the place where everyone in Bravos dumps their crap buckets when they're full, and then swim out and just be like, I'm going to go parkour the shit out of this stuff. Like, it was absurd. It was it was sloppy. I don't know how long she was passed out in that bed. People were saying, oh, she could have been there for a couple days. Yeah, if she was, she would have died if she wasn't wearing the thickest plot armor on the show. Like Valerian still exactly, exactly it's Mithril is what she was wearing. We didn't know it's Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so she seriously, it just I I didn't like the chase scene with the waif. How is the waif not catching her? Not only is is Arya injured and bleeding and also smaller and shorter legged and younger and less gifted. Uh, <laughs> but if you guys noticed, the waif looked like Robert Patrick in T two. Everything, <laughs> yeah, it, it was like her head would turn first, then she would turn. It was the most poorly it was the most poor like she have you seen this girl like run up and ask somebody looking for aria i mean it's absurd it was just it was somebody said somebody said on twitter last night that uh the waif would have obviously caught aria if she hadn't stopped to adjust her shirt every time (laughs) exactly right and it was it was serious it was just sloppy like to get her i understand you need to get her out of there and then she goes to the faceless man and is like to, to old jackie h and it's like hey you know i killed your uh your apprentice and he's like all right you want to you want to join up and she's like nah, i'm good i'm just gonna roll Are you cool with that you go great i'm out peace thanks for the well, she did have a sword she did have a sword pointing down he, uh, he could have killed her without her even knowing what's happening did you catch though the uh the sly nod and the and the smile from uh, sexy Jesus whenever she said she was going back to Westeros. I'm wondering I if I actually just caught that because I was going through the screen caps. I actually just noticed that. Though I still uh, mostly I was just bothered by him being like, "Oh, you have passed the test. Now you are no one." Dude, don't don't even fake. Don't even play. Yeah. This was not some sort of test. No. Yeah, no, you epically failed, and your your little your little mean mean girl assassin failed as well. Now, Isis, um, you wanted to say something really quick, and we should have started the podcast off with this, but I'll let you take this away. Uh, just really quick, I wanted to address uh, some things. Um, on June twelfth, two thousand sixteen, Orlando, uh, a, a very tragic event happened, and uh, there were LGBT community was. Um, focused on this uh, horrific crime where uh, someone went into a nightclub and shot a bunch of people. Uh, I just want to say personally, and I think for everybody on this podcast, um, our thoughts and prayers go out to the victim's family and the loved ones. Uh, But, you know, and that's all really great. But uh, if you can absolutely donate your time, uh, donate money to the victims of this horrific crime, that'd be awesome. I think as a community, we all need to come together, and uh, and right now this community really, really needs our help and needs even local local blood drives as well. Absolutely, I donated blood today. Um, granted, you know, my blood is not going to Orlando, but uh, our the blood that our area here sent over to Orlando is going to replenish what we had sent down to Orlando. So, um, you know, and not only that, but your local LGBTQ Q, um, local areas, um, you know, if you can be a member of that community, that would be awesome. So we just want to kind of acknowledge that this horrific event occurred on, on Sunday and, um, and our thoughts and prayers are, are with everybody there. But if you can absolutely do something, you absolutely should. Um, thoughts and prayers are great, but action is 
is so much more. And 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 this and before, you know I don't want to dwell too much on 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 this much more, but I will say this: this transcends uh, more than just one group of people. It tra- it's it's a people thing. It's a it's a human on human tragedy, and uh, everybody should feel affected. And uh, the negativity people who people who get on Twitter or Facebook and use it as a political uh, soapbox uh, should be ashamed of themselves. This is something that we should all just gather around and just uh, as as a human race, as a human race, just say that this enough's enough and. You know, like I said, we're not we're not a political podcast, and we're not going to get into the reasons why and how these things can be stopped. But you're right. If you can do something, do something. If you can't, your thoughts and your prayers are, I'm sure, very very much appreciated. So, um, moving on, uh, Isis, let's talk about your girl Aria. How did you feel? Uh, her storyline in Bravos was. Uh, wrapped up there. How did you feel? How, how it went down? Look, I'm with Corey, first of his name. Um, I absolutely felt like it was so rushed. I mean, it, it, we had spent so much time there. And then for them to just kind of try to wrap this story up in a little bow so quickly, um, it really just kind of did a, a disservice. I know uh, Benioff and Weiss both, uh, they, they uh, wrote the, this this. Uh, uh, episode, um, and maybe they were trying to say, okay, you know, we've we've languished here too long. It's time to kind of move this story forward. I, I wish they would have done that a couple of episodes ago, and versus doing it now and then trying to wrap it up so rapidly. Um, I mean, I'm glad that yeah, my homegirl is okay, especially now that I know the Hound is back. I want to get that duo back together again. But <laughs> at, but at the same time, I just felt it was so just not organic in any way it was just really really kind of contrived and and um, put together uh very hastily and uh, and i just i didn't care for it but at the same time i'm of the opinion let's get her out of there i i really am okay with her getting out of marine uh, marine sorry excuse me that's another place i want to get out of uh <laughs> getting out of the the, the house of uh, of uh, black and white and moving on don't get me wrong i'm gonna miss the hell out of sexy jesus because his hair is just epic but i'm ready to kind of move on and i did notice in the very beginning of the uh excuse me in that scene where uh sexy jesus and aria are talking and she says, hey, you know, I'm so-and-so, and I'm going back. I'm going to Westeros. And the way he looked like, he was like, yes. Like, he almost did, like, a mental fist bump. You know, like, he was, like, crushing it, you know? And yeah. uh, and so I think that's exactly what he wanted. And, he, and maybe, you know, in his mind, he got her to do what he wanted to do. But by no means do I think that he is that damn skilled to go ahead and pull people's little uh, ropes to get them to do what they want. He he. He ain't no little finger. Let's just put he it that way. He finger. ain't no little finger. But anyway, um, that's, that's how I feel. You know, um, I just thought of this when uh, Isis was talking. Um, you know, we were we were discussing um, at a different point uh, off podcast about Outlander and how there were points this season in Outlander where it felt like the Cliff Notes version of the book. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking this might be the Cliff Notes version of the book we haven't read yet. Indeed, I was going to say the same thing. Uh, we, uh, you, you know, in in the Winds of Winter coming up, the the preview chapter Mercy uh, Arya is being sent to a, a guy named. Correct me if I'm pronouncing it, or you can correct me if I'm mispronouncing it, but 
Izambaro or Izambaro. Uh, she, she's going to be training with somebody else, and it's always been assumed that it was somebody in Bravos or somebody that was in the uh, Murmurs troop, but it could be somebody in Westeros, and that's why I uh, made a point to draw attention to uh, Jack and Jaheen. Hygar's uh, nod and smile whenever she said she said she was going back to Westeros. Like, I don't think personally that he's done with her. I don't think I don't think that uh, the faceless men are done with Arya Stark. I don't know. I took something uh, a little different away from the smile and nod. Uh, I don't know that that regular size Rudy hasn't talked yet about it, but um, <laughs> basically. The idea that to be a faceless man, like to be in that clique, if you will, or whatever you want to call it, um, I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with a, a gaggle. To be in that gaggle, you need to uh, <laughs> really not have anything else. And yeah. I think that he knew the whole time that she was not going to be able to give everything up. I think he was more just proud that she was able to recognize that. And also, I don't think that he was necessarily in love with the wife either, whatever you want to call her. And I think that it kind of comes back to this idea that, like, if you could do anything else, why wouldn't you? It's like, this life that we lead here is simple, and it's we're assassins, and what we do, it's because I had nowhere else to go. She still has someone else to go, and he knew that, and he knew that would compromise her and make it to where she could never really be a faceless man. She's I don't know. Not, I'm just, she's not yeah. cut out for customer service. Pretty much. Yeah. Her bag. This is this is not her deal, you know. She needs to go find a job doing something else. The House of Black and White LLC needs people who are really into customer service and really making sure that their customers get the murder that they pay for. This is true. This is true. Corey Smith, I'm going to ask you because I know you want to rant a little bit about this, but um, I felt like, and and I know uh, Corey first of his name of House Phone. Uh, had brought this up, but I felt like an off-death, an off-screen death for the Waif was cheap. Um, I want to hear your thoughts on that, because we've had the build-up all since last season, um, and I would have much rather have seen some kind of a, more than a chase scene, I would have much rather seen a knockdown, drag-out, needle versus knife, uh, some kind of fight scene, but it happened off screen, and then we got the face and the face and the hall of faces. So, what was your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, the whole episode was kind of that way, and I, I know we'll get to the other ones later. But you know, I, I feel the same way. Is that yeah, they they teased it. You know, they had a rivalry f- from the moment they met back in season five, and they built up this tension, and then finally, Jacken says, "Oh yeah, you can kill her." And then we just get this fade to black thing. And it's like, I, I didn't understand that at all. I felt like you could have at least, okay, you cut the candle, but then give us some sound effects. Right, right, Anything right. Anything would have been better than, okay, you cut the candle and boom, you know, then her face is on the wall. It's like you built that rivalry up for two years and then just cut it. So I don't know. I, well, I, I wasn't a fan of it at all. I mean, and uh, like I said, we'll get to the rest throughout the episode, but it was a recurring theme as far as I was concerned. Somebody's got an open mic. I don't know if anybody else has noticed that. I, I, I don't mind just saying it on the, on the podcast. <laughs> I'm listening to somebody just really wreck some stuff on their open mic. Anyway, um, so 
we got we got Arya's story seeming to be wrapped up in Bravos, and I I guess the consensus is nobody's really that happy about it, and that's fine. Maybe she'll do better in Westeros. Maybe we'll see another Stark reunion before the season's over. I don't know. Personally, I think she's headed somewhere else to cross a name off her list. But um, let's talk about the Hound, her old running buddy. Man, did he wreck some dicks. Yes. Isis. Yes. The dicks were wrecked, and they were mostly wrecked by him, and it was awesome. Oh, my God. I mean, I was jumping up and down on my bed because I was so excited about the action. I mean, it was just it was pure hound, and, and I think I, I even tweeted it during the live tweet um, that uh, I was like, yes, he has entered the game. He is back. He is, <laughs> he is officially back. And, um, and so that's what got me really excited is, is him going ahead and wrecking dicks, and then Ari is leaving you know, the, the house of black and white, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is awesome. And he was showing dick, too. Yes, and it, so it was, all, it was all so perfect, and it was so funny to see him haggling um, to want to kill somebody or to kill yeah. those people, and he's not really great at it right now, but, I mean, I, he still got what he wanted at the end, um, and it was just – it was absolutely wonderful just to see him back. Like, he hadn't lost any of his swagger. Like, you know, you know how uh, we talk about the red – queen or the red priestess you know kind of she's like mm-hmm. lost her swagger she's kind of like mm-hmm. you know she doesn't have really her jive going on and everything oh no it seems like he just picked up that axe and he just had it going on and it was perfect i loved every minute of it annie yeah. uh now that we've seen Beric dondarian which was kind of a surprise for me uh I guess the Lady Stoneheart hype is dead and gone. Dead as dreams. Lady Stoneheart is dead as dreams. Okay, you guys? We now have proof that there is no Lady Stoneheart. Caitlin Stark was not resurrected just after the Red Wedding. Beric did not give his his multiple, be able to come back to life over and over again to her so that she could go wreck vengeance. Nope, nope, nope. It's nothing. Nope, nope, nope. Cut. Literally, he's still still in charge. And uh, I, you know, I, I don't think I mind that. Now that now that we have really established that this is not going to have Lady Stoneheart, we're just not going to go there. I mean, seriously, Brienne has gone back north. Okay, mm-hmm. like we are, right. we are, we you know, we got teased a little bit here. Okay, we're going to go down to the river, Riverlands, and then no, you're not going to get anything you expected. Sorry. And they talked um, about they, they talked about Catelyn quite a bit. And but... you know, Lady Crane kind of was doing like a Catelyn kind of uh, uh, a thing with a. Uh, with with Arya, like the, those scenes were very mothering, and those scenes very much recalled Catelyn Stark. And you know what? It, it, it yep, nope. That was basically the the production trolling us, I'd say. You know what really struck me about the scene though was the was the level of violence. We haven't seen quite that much violence and blood in a short period of time for quite a while in this show. Like, they kind of cut back on that, and I think that this was a carryover from last week, and uh, the Hound basically, you know, choosing to go back to the disease, the addiction of violence, you know? He's left Murderers Anonymous, and he is back, you know, he's back (laughs) off the wagon, and he is making everybody bleed, you know? As I said, I was uh, looking at screen caps today, and I was just struck by all the blood that flies off in that scene when he's wandering around wielding the axe people like it's just it, i mean it's a little it's it's almost over the top 
And see, Corey Thone, he decapitated somebody, he sliced a neck, he chopped somebody's shoulder in half, he cut a dude's uh, nether regions from an upswing, and it just kind of spilled out onto the ground. And then he made sure that the other ones were hung. So I would say he got his vengeance, right? I mean, yeah, but it was never about vengeance. It was – he was – they had opened a Pandora's – I don't know how to phrase it. Once you let the you let the tiger out of the cage, bro, like it's done. He tried to not be the hound. The hound is who he is. And uh-huh. all he's got now is some perspective, and it's kind of the same concept with the brotherhood that, um, you know, Al Swearingen had with him was like, hey – you know, you can use your strength for good. You you don't have to be evil. You don't even have to do it for good. Just don't do it to be a dick, you know? And <laughs> and that's kind of, I think, where he's kind of moving toward is, is I'm just almost like a chaotic neutral type character where it's like, I'm not good or bad, but I will kill you and not feel bad about chaotic. it. Yeah. I love that you said chaotic neutral, by the way. You're welcome. Um, Corey Smith, uh, we got to see a different side of the Brotherhood. Now, I'm glad that we found out that the the Brotherhood is not evil, first of all, and that Lim Lemoncloak and his little buddies were just rogues uh, from the Brotherhood. They weren't acting on Barrack's orders. But this is a completely different direction from the books that we know of, because now Barrack and Thoros are worried about the White Walkers. Talk to me about that. Yeah, that was an interesting um, direction to put them in, because yeah, I mean it, they're all they're all way in the Riverlands, man. Yeah, and the and the books are in the Riverlands hanging out, and they're just capping Lannisters and Freys left and right, any chance they can get, and um, you know, to, so to see them kind of realize that the White Walkers might be coming, you know, begs a lot of questions, because then you wonder well, how do they know that? I assume exactly. I assume maybe Thoros saw something in the fires or you know word of a uh, hard home might have filtered its way south i mean i don't know but i mean that would definitely be interesting to see those guys kind of head north especially if the hound joins up and you know they head north like some sort of you know westerosi suicide squad and uh you know <laughs> kind of help out with the white walkers you know because right 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 it, and I also wonder, and this might seem like a little out of left field because everybody seems to call me crazy, but I wonder how much longer Melisandre is going to be around, and therefore they might want another red priest or Man, priestess up north. I don't think you're, I don't think you're crazy at all. And we've seen the trailer for next week. Uh, Davos definitely comes across Shireen's uh, spot of uh, of burning. So yeah, it, uh, it's actually a shot that was in the preseason trailers, but until mm-hmm. we saw it this week, we didn't have the context for it properly. But yeah, this week it's really it's really obvious that that's what he's coming across. So I wonder, you know, he's wanted to kill her before, and we're not going to get too much into that because it really didn't nothing nothing happened in the north this episode. So, but I. I will say uh, he's wanted to kill her before, and now there's really nothing stopping him unless John steps in the way. But we'll see what happens. Um, uh, Isis, anything else you want to add to your boy the Hound coming back? Like oh, I did, like I, I I wanted to get your opinion on this. Whenever the the archer pulled the the bow back, he goes, "Put your arrow away, girl. I've had 
I've had better girls than you try to kill me. That was so that was awesome. I, you know, I, I really feel like the Hound is is a you know, is an awesome feminist uh, because <laughs> he is. That's something I don't think anybody would uh, would ever call. Uh, well, him. I really do. I mean, he's all about protecting uh, women from getting rape. Uh, a la Sansa, right? Okay. Uh, p- protecting Arya, and uh, and he absolutely is not afraid to admit that he has been bested by a woman. Uh, so I absolutely love. I mean, there's so many reasons why I love the Hound and everything, uh, but I, I absolutely grinned, you know, when he made that comment, and then especially the chicken comment because that was a throwback. Uh, to another episode, one of his famous episodes about the, oh, yeah. the fucking chickens. So I really felt that uh, he was hitting on, especially you know him being gone for so long. He was hitting on all cylinders. Uh, so, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say this right now that the Hound is the the uh, uh, the feminist that they need in Westeros. <laughs> <laughs> the one, not the one they deserve. The one they the need. one they need. <laughs> Let's talk about King's Landing, King's Landing a little bit there, Annie. And uh, we did some speculating uh, last week that maybe Lancel might be taking uh, a long dirt nap this episode. No, but act- he just saw that his fate could go that way if he decided to allow people to continue to choose violence. Right. My God, did you see the look of terror on all of their faces when I mean, the mountain the ripped that guy's head off? I'm sorry, the mountain ripped the guy's head off. Like he actually rips the guy's head off. She's like, it, it is, it is a thing, um, you know. And I actually think that that was deliberate. That the the High Sparrow sent those guys there to challenge Cersei, so they would fight the Hound, so he could see exactly what the Hound was made of. The mountain. Oh, sorry. Yes, you're right. I keep saying the hound. Right. Um, he's trying to see what the mountain is made of. He 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 knows that this is going to be Cersei's champion, and he wants to get a measure of the man. And the little sparrows go back to him and say, "Dude, none of us can do anything against this guy. We're screwed." And he's like, "We're screwed. Okay, let's figure out how to cancel trial by combat." Because you know what? The next thing we see is trial by combat being canceled. Yeah, man, that was garbage too. By the way, like oh, I was you, surprised. You, you didn't like that the Westerosi Wrestling Federation's uh, trial by combat <laughs> has been canceled for lo- from reruns of Law and Order: King's Landing. I'm so sorry. Uh, it would have been better if Jim Ross had announced it. Oh. Not. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted Jim Ross to call things on 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 the show. It's it's really quite bad of me. Um, but I I would say this that that um. Cersei really learned something this week. Cersei has been in such denial. She really still thinks she has some control over her son. She really thinks she still has access. She really thinks she still has power. And today, they or sorry, this week, they made her stand. In, in this, the last time we had a character standing on the in that balcony looking down at a king doing a proclamation, it was Sansa when Joffrey yep. said, I'm, I'm going to go marry Marjorie. That's mm-hmm. literally the exact same place they had Sansa stand, and I don't think that was an accident. You know? And it was Cersei up smirking up, smirking up at her as it happened. Too. Yeah, and and now it's Cersei who is basically up there watching, you know, basically helplessly, unable to do anything. So Cersei's, Cersei's like a wild dog, and you know she's she ran the pack for a long time, and she's lost power. And honestly, it's it's almost. I don't want to say that it's like telegraphed so much that it's predictable because it would be a big deal, but it just seems like, oh, what happens when a wild animal's back into a corner? 
or would they lash out wildly and violently? It's like so uh, wildfirely and <laughs> violently. Like, I mean, she's seriously, she's someone who's had all the power taken away. This is a very much, we've seen this play out in countless movies and TV shows and plays where someone has just had all their power taken away, and they're going to make one last Hail Mary attempt to get everything back. What Cersei should have done is slow-played it like Marjorie is, and instead she she was too cocky, too big for her britches, if you will. And, uh, yeah, it cost her a lot, like probably I, I like to say that uh, the lioness has had her mane shorn, even though I know lionesses don't have manes. They don't, so uh, it doesn't make any sense, so I don't know why you still, said though, it. still, the lion, she's a lion well, of Lannister, and uh, she's had her claws pulled and her teeth pulled, so... They like talking I, about cats, Corey. I, yeah. First of his I, name. <laughs> you know, I thought that... It, I don't know if maybe the, the sparrows were testing the mountain. I mean, that's not out of the question. But I definitely think they went there to provoke Cersei to violence because I think that mm-hmm. that then gave them the excuse to to take away the trial by combat. Oh, it's I a win win. Oh, it's a win win yeah, because yeah. either they kill the mountain right. because he's not as invo- he's not as uh, as badass as you think. He's all zombied up and everything, sure. and those guys can kill him. And then whatever, we'll do trial by combat. Or like you were saying. They go there, and uh, this guy's a freak. Well, he attacked these poor, innocent Sparrows, right. Nazis. and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I think the High Sparrow sent him there to provoke him. Because so he knew he would, that Cersei would play right into his, hand, her hand, his hands. And then he'd have every excuse to take away trial by combat. And then to have the trial be held by seven septums, well, of course they're going to find her guilty. That's like... If, you know, I mean, the High Sparrow's stacking the jury, and he's just playing Cersei like a fiddle, and so I think he's that's... He's playing a I, dangerous game, though. He's playing a dangerous, dangerous game. Well, yeah. Because because now we have Kyburn coming up to Cersei and saying, the rumor is true, I've checked it out, and then she says, is it more, or what is it, and it's definitely more. We saw Bran's vision... And there was speculation that that was not the past that he saw when he saw the wildfire blowing up under King's Landing, that it was actually the future. That's what my thoughts were, and I still hold on to that theory. I think that my theory is uh, Cersei is going to lose her mind in the next one of the next last two episodes, and King's Landing will pay dearly for it. Yeah, and that's just my and opinion. then because everything's all burned to a crisp, Danny is like, "Well, I don't want to go in that shithole," so she stays in the Marine forever. It turns out, <laughs> and everything, yeah, <laughs> bite your goddamn tongue. Now, speaking of Marine, we had probably one of the most awkward drinking games. I don't and, know, man. Okay, the thing is, Tyrion just keeps on trying to turn Missandei and Grey Worm into Bronn and Shay and the Pyramid of Marine into the Tower of the Hand. He's not there. This is not them. Stop trying to make these people into something they're not. It doesn't work. It's awkward. I mean, it was kind of neat to see that Grey Worm has a really, really dry sense of humor. And personally, I thought he won the joke contest because, yeah. I mean, sorry, Tyrion's jokes made me think of that. The Do you remember this, the, the scene in the ceiling? A uh, naked blonde walked into a bar with a, a poodle under one arm and two-foot salami under the other? Mm. <laughs> I, get, I get where you're going with this one. Um, From Breakfast Club? Yeah, like, no, seriously, Tyrion's jokes totally made me think of those. And yeah, so yeah. So yeah, but we've got we've got Tyrion trying to get uh, 
the two his two uh, conspirators, I guess, his co-conspirators, drunk, and and they seem to be having fun a little bit for a little bit there. But before all that happened, um, Varys left Meereen on a super secret mission. Isis, Isis, what do you think? He, where do you think he's going? I, I look. I hope that he's gonna meet up with Arya. I mean, not no, sorry, not Arya. Um, oh my gosh, hold on a second. Little finger. No, 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 no. Olena. 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 Yeah. Sorry, I don't know why I keep thinking. <laughs> I always want to put an extra syllable in her damn name. Yes, I'm. I'm <laughs> hoping that he's either gonna meet up with Olena, or he's gonna meet with uh, uh, Reek and his sister. And I don't know why I keep on calling him Reek. But uh, anyway, I, I, either one of those I will be happy with. But this is what gave me pause. Because when he's talking to um, to Tyrion, the way he was talking to him, it was just kind of like a moment of like, I'm going to backstab you and you don't even know it. Do you know what I mean? Like, he almost felt See? sorry. I don't know. Oh. I got that feeling. I got that vibe from him. I didn't get that. Here's what I, here's what I got from him. I got I got it was a fond farewell from from Varys to Tyrion. And, and it, there was even that moment where he stopped and turned around that and was smiled. The mo- at him. That was the moment that I felt like he kind of stopped and turned around, like he was like rethinking about what he was going to do. And and I don't I don't know. I guess that's the way I felt about it. I mean, I, you know, people are going to feel differently. You know, you're going to read into somebody's nonverbals and stuff like that. Um, but that's the way I felt about it. Like, you know, Varys has been, you know, pro Tyrion this whole time and everything. Uh, but he hasn't always been, you know, on Tyrion's side, if you will. Um, well, Varys has always been on Varys' side yeah. and the Targaryen side. He was a Targaryen loyalist. Uh, but I don't think here's here's my opinion. I don't think you have to worry about, and I could be wrong. I don't think you have to worry about uh, Varys backstabbing Tyrion. I think he's going off to do to to make a connection with someone in Westeros for Danny. I think it's I think this is a, um, and this is my pure speculation here. I think it's a connection with everybody's favorite Dornishman. The LOL snakes. No way. And, uh, yeah, that's and, exactly uh, what it is. Thank you, Razor, for having brains. You can see and, it coming uh, from a mile away. You can see it coming from a mile away. He's going straight to the to. I mean, Annie, you and I, I, I have said it before. Actually, I was actually curious about this, whether or not it was obvious to everyone else, um, because this is one where we we never actually saw them film anything together but there were the actors for the Dornish there was uh, the actor who was Varys and there was Diana Rigg all in the same place at the same time at one point during filming and we Uh. we wondered if that might be that Oleana leaves King or Olena leaves King's Landing sorry I will (laughs) learn how to pass people's names eventually Um, (laughs) Olena leaves King's Landing and goes to Dorne to try and get them to partner with her against the Lannisters. And while she's there, Varys happens to walk in and says, you know, I have someone who's going to solve all your problems. And, uh, you know, I mean, we've already seen that Varys and, and, and Olena are, are, were the beginning of a beautiful friendship for five seconds in King's Landing. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see that connection come back. You know, and if, if we got to go through Dorne to get there, eh, you know what, maybe it'll, maybe it'll get better. And you know what? Maybe. That, that would make but, sense because the Sand Snake Mama, she did not have any problem with Tyrion. If anything, you know, I think she really—I don't want to say 
I don't want to say she thought he was a friend or anything, but out of all the Lannisters, I think she hated him the least, <laughs> if that makes there sense. There you go. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah. What were you going to say, Corey Smith? I, I was going to say, though, I mean, that would certainly fall in line with, you know, how Ilaria said that Dorne would never be ruled by a weak man again. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. so as far as falling in line with Olena or even, you know, eventually maybe Daenerys. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean that falls yeah. in line there too. So, I mean, the sisterhood of the never traveling pants could just <laughs> probably. No, I I honestly, it's pretty obvious to me that there there are two two or I don't know. You said three things that played out when Varys leaving. One, I think he is going to Dorne because he knows that he's probably heard about the murder of. Wheels Doran. and uh, <laughs> the wheels, <laughs> wheels McWilly face. Yeah, exactly. And you know that they're kind of Dr. just sitting there going, Sheer, call him correct." Sure. <laughs> so that B, he probably knows that the uh, masters are just outside of the city. His little birds have probably gotten that info to him. And and I don't think that Varys is looking to betray uh, Tyrion or to, uh, or that he would betray anybody, but he's looking out for number one first and he knows that he's going to be on the hook for the masters and coming back and doing whatever they're going to do as much, as much as Tyrion in the eyes of Danny. So when, when the mad queen gets back, he's not going to be there and he's going to take off and he's going to show up with, Hey, we have somebody who has an army that's waiting on you across the sea. And so then she won't feed into the dragons like he thinks she might do to Tyrion. But he can't risk him and Tyrion leaving. Someone has to be there. So I think that it's it's a, a, a double-sided, like, I'm getting out of here. I'm looking back at you like, I hope she doesn't kill you, but I can't say that because I'm out. And that's it. Like That's kind of what I think. So. Well, then we had, we had um, during the uh, most awkward drinking game ever, uh, drunk party ever, uh, we had... Uh, the masters attack their ships, and I and I and I, when I was watching it, I was like, ah, oh, I bet Corey Thumbs happy because here's Danny's fleet right here. That is exactly what I said. I was like, <laughs> oh, it's great. Somebody used Littlefinger's uh, travel box and got to Marine really quickly, and then they. But started... then I noticed there were harpies on the on the, on the sails, oh, and I was like, oops, son of a bitch, we come, to, we've come to blow up all the trees, so you could never build a boat ever, and then they just sail away. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. But um, I would like to see. But then what happened is, you, you know, Annie and I were talking about this last week. Was um, for the trailer for this, this this Sunday's episode was Tyrion looks up at the chandelier and 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 I said because there's dragons, the dragons are are loose. And you know she was laughing at me. Well, it was a dragon. It was just wasn't the one getting loose. It was yeah, the one that's already a, been loose. You know. I gotta say, like, Danny's arrival was a little anticlimactic, because she didn't say anything. She just showed up, and she, like, you know, it was like one of those, it was like the dramatic squirrel face. Like, you know, except, like, you know, it was like mom coming home, like, hours early and being like, you threw a kegger while I was away? What is wrong with you? What have you done to my city? All I did was take a flight. Ugh. You know, like that was totally how I felt about that, and it, it actually made me laugh because the inside in the inside the episode uh, after bits that they have, they actually have like an interview with Amelia Clark about her return, and I'm like, she's saying so much about this, and yet she didn't actually speak on camera. Yeah, you see, I well, felt like it was like she came back, and it was like 
bitch, I'm back. And it was, that's the way I felt about it. It was like, <laughs> she was like, I'm back, bitches. And um, so I really, I, I didn't, I didn't hate it, if you will. I'm hoping that uh, Drogon is going off, and Corey Stone's going to hate me for this, but I'm hoping Drogon goes off and torches those ships in the bay. But, yeah, well, uh, that's obviously what he's going to do <laughs> because everything in Marine is telegraphed and just it's like, are we about to do something? Nope. Like they're going to burn. Instead of trying to take the ships and use them for their army, she's going to burn them and then go, damn, we could have used those ships. Yeah, probably, but whatever. I'm sorry. I'm really in- um, I, I, w- I want to bring up a point that was brought up last week by our editor-in-chief, Dan Selke, and uh, – our boss Patrick Allen and uh, their uh, their Wick Live uh, co-host Josh Hill, they were talking about Danny's hero moments, and they said that uh, <laughs> they get really tired of Danny's uh, hero moments. Well, um, I can one of them mentioned that a great moment for her to end this season is actually stepping off of Mirene's soil onto the plank of a ship to be sailing towards Westeros, but. Uh, I think for what's got to happen now is we know that episode nine is going to be all about the North, right? Like, you know, unless something, unless, unless we were all led to believe something completely different, there's not going to be any other scenes except for the North. Um, so it's going to be like the hard, uh, hard home times 10 times a million. And, um, nine so, or, times a thousand. Or, or or what? Uh, what was it? Season four's finale, The Watchers on the Wall. Yeah. Uh, um, that's what it will be like. So you'll have that. Um, but I think for to tie in some of the released chapters from The Winds of Winter, the dragons have to be released, and they have to be out there burning ships and causing havoc. And Danny's got to be able to wrangle those dragons in because. Right now, we know she can she can control Drogon, and it's assumed she can control Viserion and Rhaegal. Uh, Tyrion had no problem talking to them; they didn't do anything to Tyrion. So, um, but they've got to be loosed, and they've got to help kill the Masters. And we've seen in a trailer the Dothraki actually charging somebody somewhere. So I'm feeling like episode 10 is going to be one of, like, the Battle of Meereen. It's going to be one of those big, massive battles, and and that, that that's where the story's going to end. Either it's going to be Danny's going to finish off the Masters, and Meereen's going to be burning, and they're going to be sailing away with the Ironborn, or something bad's going to happen, and we don't really know. So <laughs> it's either A, going to be really good for Danny, or B, be really, really bad. But um, bold statement there, Randy. Bold <laughs> predictions. You heard it here first, folks. Um, Hedging his bet. But, uh, Corey Smith, you know, overall, this episode didn't give us a lot of meat and potatoes. It was kind of like skimming the top. Like you know, it was just a lot of. I don't know. I, I it's just a lot of milk toast. None, none of none of it was really. Uh, none of. Are you hungry, was, man? You reference food. You use food metaphors like. I. It, it was like candy. It was like candy and ice cream and chocolate. <laughs> Wait a second. Anyway, uh, but Corey Smith, I know you wanted to talk about the overall, your overall feeling for the episode. So take it away, my friend. Let me hear what you got to say about it. Well, you know, I just thought that. Okay, so let me throw out a couple examples in the episode. So you had. Varus going on a secret mission, 
You had Kyburn investigating some secret rumor. You had uh, the Blackfish dying off screen. You had the Waif dying off screen. You had Danny magically appearing on the on the balcony like she was, you know, interrupted yep. at tea time or something. Take it. And it it just the the entire episode just kind of felt like lazy storytelling to me. Bring it home. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just like, okay, he's going on a secret mission. She's doing this secret thing, and 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 Danny's back, and and this is going on, and it's just like. All this stuff was happening, and we don't, you know, there was no build up to any of it. There's no, so I don't think there's going to be any payoff to any of it. Put the icing on the cake. I mean, God if, damn it, there's more food. I mean, all right. Well, actually, hold on, because this, this is actually no, because I had a problem with this too. You know, we're supposed to have this ginormous battle next week at Winterfell, right? I mean, and that's all we're supposed to have, and we've had basically no build up to it. Like, right. there's nothing referencing it at all today, and, or this week, and it's basically going to feel like, you know, that we're not going to feel as invested in it as we should. The uh, hell well, I'm not. I, I, I assume, though, that I assume most of, <laughs> I, I assume probably a good 20, 25 minutes of, the, of next week's episode will be pure build-up to the battle. Yeah, which, I guess yeah, you don't, I, Which, yeah, you don't want it in the same episode that it happens. But at the same time, I don't think the entire episode is going to be the battle. I think you saw from the trailer there's a lot of back and forth before it actually devolves into a battle. But, I mean, just, you know, I, you kind of touched on it earlier as far as it, it feels like the cliff notes of, of the story. It just seems like, you know, they got so a book we haven't read yet. Right, right, exactly. And it, and it feels like, you know, D&D &D got told, all right, this is what's ha going to happen, you know, Arya's going to go back to Marine or to Westeros, and this is how it's going to happen. But we didn't get the the buildup that we're kind of used to from the other seasons, you know, where stuff kind of slowly builds and then at the end kind of pays off. And this just seems like everything. That's rushed. what made hard. That's what made Hard Home so good was all season long. John was building up to going to Hard Home. Yeah, he's he like he he kept talking about getting men to go with him and. He was going to do this, and he was the Lord Commander, and uh, he wasn't going to force anybody to go. But if he was taking volunteers, and and basically that was his, you know, that was his big hero moment. And we had that build up to Hard Home. And you're right, I kind of feel like you, you know, they're going to spend 20, 25 minutes building up because you, you got to have Davos go see where Shireen was was murdered. You got to have the the field of battle. You got to hear Ramsey probably go on one of his sick disgusting talks about what he's going to do to Sansa and then you and then you know and Rickon's got to be pulled out of the dungeon Rickon's got to be pulled out of the dungeon and then you got to have all the armies come together and we still don't know what's going to happen with Littlefinger and the army of the Vale is he going to show up on time um we had rumors that there was going to be House Manderly uh you know a book favorite uh show up and you know, you would think that if you were going to have a guy like, in, you know, a literal giant in Wyman Manderly, Lord Too Fat to Sit a Horse, um, if he was going to show up, you'd think they would already have him be introduced. You would have already had him, like, maybe introduce himself to Ramsay and pledge fealty or do something, or maybe introduce himself to John, maybe have John and Sansa go to, to White Harbor, but you didn't have any of that. So you're right, maybe. 
maybe I'm wrong, and I'm hoping I'm wrong. And Isis, I know you want to chime in on this because it's your it's your sexy little cinnamon bun. But uh, let's you know, for some of us, the, we're invested in this story of John, and I've I've been hearing a lot of complaints of this guy was killed, resurrected, and nobody's talking about it. I'm going to transcend that comment that I'm not invested in the storyline because I'm absolutely invested, okay? Okay, well, I, no, that's good, though, because I, I, as a non-book reader, knowing that, knowing, knowing that non-book readers are not feeling like this is Cliff Notes actually makes me feel a lot better because maybe it's just me being spoiled by the books. I, I totally, okay, so as a, you know, pure just TV watcher or show watcher, I am completely invested in this storyline with John, the, the ultimate battle between Ramsey and, and Jon Snow. It's the, the battle of the bastards. I am pumped for it. I am ready for it. My body is ready for it. Okay. <laughs> um, so is my alcohol cabinet. I, I am so ready for this to happen already because I'm ready for Ramsey to get his comeuppance. I am ready for John to, to prove to himself that he is worthy because I, of course, believe that Jon Snow is going to be that he's going to win. Uh, even after in the cut scenes we saw for next week, he tells the Red, the red Woman, if I die, don't, don't resurrect me. It was, don't it, bring me back. Yeah, don't yeah. bring me back. So I really appreciated that. That was a really you know, kind of funny moment with, uh, with Jon Snow, unexpected. And, um, but I, I really am, am totally involved in this. I am – I agree with you. There are some things that are still left kind of hanging, like a little hanging Chad. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> uh, hey, is Littlefinger going to join up? Is, you know, uh, these other entities going to get involved uh, in, this, in this skirmish, if you will, uh, to, to go ahead and, and to get the, the castle back? I am absolutely invested in it. I'm okay with everything that is going on right now. Um, the only problem I see is that I just don't want them to rush things like they did with Arya's storyline to kind of get out of, um, you know, out of the uh, Bravos and to get her to um, another place wherever she ends up. So I'm really excited about. You know, Let me tell you right now, if Arya shows up at the Battle of the Bastards, that'll be the fastest. I'll be I don't think she's. I'll be pissed. I'm just saying right now. I'm going to go with no with that one. I know. I know. I mean, common sense would tell you that. No, she's not going to be there. But I mean, I, I've already seen a lot of people talk about, oh my God, she said she's Arya Stark from Winterfell and she's going home. She's going to totally go back home, and she's going to get Nymeria back, and her wolves, and the wolf pack, and oh, and they're going to attack. No, no, no. This isn't, this, isn't, this isn't WCW. This isn't the NWO. The wolf pack is dead. Um, but they, black and white for life. Black for life. <laughs> Represent your colors. Even, but, you know, even the Battle of the Bastards, though, this season, you know, this is kind of a problem I've had with the season as it goes. It's, we're just rushing. I mean, even the even the battle with, between the bastards, it's like I don't even feel like John really cares because oh. it's like it because he had the okay yeah we go got to go rescue Rickon, but other than that he's just been like all right well now we got to get an army. Well, wait a he's minute, not like Corey. we got to go we got to go we got to go I hate this guy I got to go get him. No, it's just, but, but he hasn't even met him. 
I, this is the thing, Corey. They haven't even met. He's do, he, it, why does he have to have a personal uh, interest in it? Like, I met this guy. I hate him and everything. Look what he's done to his sister. Look what he's done to the people that live in, in, that, in that area. He's terrorized them. You know, does yeah, he fine. really need to have a reason, a personal reason to hate this person? No. Look what he's done to his entire family and the people that live in that surrounding areas and, you know, and his sister. So I am okay with with that it's kind of the same reason why I just did three snaps in a Z formation for you. But uh, <laughs> you know, it wasn't meant to, that way. I agree to an extent. Uh, at the same time, you know, this is the same reason why uh, Jamie is. It, do you think he wants to be there fighting the Blackfish to get that fucking castle back? He can give a shit less. But his sister told him, "Hey, or." his girlfriend, whatever you want to call her, uh, baby mama, um, told him to sister go over wife. there, yeah, sister wife, whatever, to go over there and, and take back this castle, and that's where she needed him, and so he's going to do whatever he has to do to get there quickly, finish the task, and get back to his sister slash son and whatever. Anyway, so... I did love I did love the I, whole, the things we do for love. That was a nice well, call. Well, that's a great callback. Yeah. Well, I just, I mean, like, I understand what you're saying, and yeah, he doesn't have to have met the guy to hate him, because obviously he loves Sansa, and the stuff that he's done, you know, his family participating in the Red Wedding, the Boltons, um, I mean, I get that, but I'm just saying, even as he's building this alliance, he doesn't really seem that upset, he just seems like he's doing it as a he's, chore. Well, okay, so that's emo Jon Snow, though. No, what no, no, here's you... the thing, Isis and Corey, you're both right, and here's why, because... Isis, you're correct that John doesn't have to feel the rage that maybe we feel towards the Boltons to lead this army. Sansa's kind of pushing him into it, which is like what Corey's saying. And John doesn't think that he has enough troops. And I think, Corey, what you're correct about in this season, the way that they have mishandled so many things, instead of having uh, how many combined minutes now of Tyrion at the Laugh Factory teaching an improv <laughs> class. Right. They have. have time for this stuff. They're just yeah. choosing to use it in other Imagine ways. Imagine how John... Oh, my God, look John. Look at John. Look at how he feels. Okay, right now, and, and what we should be talking about with this is that Ramsey has everything to fight for because his family has never been this powerful. They've never had Winterfell before. He is the quote-unquote, Warden of the North. I mean, he has everything. He's killed his dad for this. He killed his, mm -hmm. his, his stepmom and his stepbrother for this. He is all in, and he has got all this to fight for. John, what does John feel like right now? He doesn't exactly feel like a Stark because he's never been a Stark. He's a Snow. He probably doesn't feel like a human because everyone that sees him looks at him like he's a White Walker because it's, it's, <laughs> it, he's, he's a dead person that they brought back to life. He probably feels like the only connection that he has in this world is the fact that Sansa knew him before he took the black, and Sansa's there with him, and she's the one saying, if you want things to get back to normal, if you think they can, we have to take Winterfell back. And I don't think Sansa realizes quite the dire situation they're, they're walking into with the amount of troops they have, but John... Uh, actually, I, I, I will disagree with you there. 
I, I do. Th- well. Okay, well, let me rephrase that. Sansa has always been stupid, so I don't think that she understands numbers. But that's <laughs> okay, okay. But you see, the thing is, there's that it's moment in sewing. the trailer next. There's no, there's a, there's that moment in the trailer next week where she is literally like John. You do not like. She's literally looking at John like he's another man in her life who has who is once again underestimating what a freak show Ramsey really sure. is. That's and so true. John, John's point in Ned Stark. Yeah, and they, that it's it's, it's, a, it's, a, it. it's not like that. I, I might agree with you that she maybe doesn't understand the numbers of the army and whether or not they can win, but she knows that they are going up against basically Westerosi Hitler, and that's good enough for her to know that they're probably not. They don't have enough. Whatever it is, they don't have, whatever it is they have. They don't have enough of it because when you're going up against Westerosi Hitler, you need everything. Which is why she sent the letter to Littlefinger. And it all comes back, uh, too, to them acting like how they think Ned would act when we've been proven now that Ned would have never done something so dumb. Like th- Speaking of dire situations, though, man, where the fuck is Ghost? Hey, speaking of dire, where the, where the hell is... I don't have enough money for him. Yeah, where's Branjin? Where are those two guys yeah, at? Yeah, <laughs> I'm upset that they sort of disappeared on us completely. Um, well, John we're really not... Too, though. We're we're we're, 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 the yeah, we're basically no, I, not... I was just saying, we're not going to see Bran until the last couple minutes of the episode when the wall comes down. We're not seeing him again. I wanted to... I, okay. I, I guess I, I believe you. But hey, you know, there was... Cool? Well, I, just, I just thought of something. Wouldn't it be cool if Arya met up with Gentry? Gentry. Gentry. Hey, he's been gone for so long, I forgot his name. Uh, the guy that's over there... Uh, uh, on the boat. On the boat. Wrong. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, is it T-Pain? Is that who it was? <sighs> Lord have mercy. Pod was doing his best Gendry last uh, on Sunday night, rowing that boat. Yeah. Pod, Pod was do- but Pod. I want to talk – overall, the episode was – I mean, I didn't hate it. Uh, I, I agree with – each one of you have a great point about the different – like, like I, Corey Smith, you're, you're, you're spot on. That felt rushed to me, but – I also could appreciate some of the different nuances, like Lady Crane and Arya's uh, motherly daughter moment they had just for a brief, the briefest moments. Um, I liked, I liked that, um, you know, you had Jamie wave goodbye to Brienne on in the water. Like that was really nice. Like it was like, I and my my wife was and I were watching it, and she goes, you know what? In a different time, in a different place. They'd be fucking. That's what Bron was saying. <laughs> That's what Bron was saying. But the thing is like... that that scene was there to counteract the Edmir scene. Where, God, Razor, where everybody um, it wasn't me. It was, but there was uh, uh, with the scene with Edmir in the tent. You know about I want to get back to Cersei, which we talked about. I mean, it's basically just it kind of looked like season one, Jamie again. But it yeah. wasn't. He was just playing. He wanted to get out of there, and he ended up taking River Run without spilling any blood except for the Blackfish, who chose to spill his own blood because that character was pointless and a waste of my time. Which was a bullshit off-screen death yeah. again, oh, and I hated that. And you back know, to what Corey said. Yeah, it's just these off-screen deaths. You know why this episode, I think I hated it so much, is it felt like the season finale last season. Everything we built toward, just nothing happened from it. If it, anything big happened, it happened off-screen. And it was just – it could – calling it a setup episode isn't correct. The episode before this was a setup episode. This episode was a letdown episode to me and a lot of stuff that came to resolution. You don't set up with a final thing like at River Run or in Bravos. This was 
finality that was not good. So anyway, Corey, you were saying? Well, yeah, I mean, I overall I like the River Run stuff until the very end. Like, I loved that conversation between Jamie and Edmure. I thought that was an amazing conversation because. But it was directly from the book, right? Yeah, but, it was a highlight of the episode. Yeah, and and Jamie was trying to be cool with them, and he was trying to just like negotiate. And then when Edmure's not going to negotiate, it's like, all right, I'm going to be the asshole you think I am, and he you know, basically bluffs him into giving up River Run. And then it which I thought was great and I could I could buy that. But then, you know, with the Blackfish, it's like, what was the point of all that? Like what you were saying, Corey, it's like I mean But then Edmure Edmure goes total dick move and is like, Go go find the Blackfish, clap him in irons and bring him to, to Jamie Lannister. What a bitch move on Edmure Tully's uh like and I was like and and I don't know about ISIS, but I can't I can't look at Edmure without seeing uh, Black Jack Randall from Outlander. From Outlander. Yeah. So I now I just hate. I, I I was making Outlander jokes last night. Hey, hey, Jamie, you shouldn't threaten this guy. You should see what he did to the last Jamie. Um, I thought actually my favorite moment of of uh, Edmure's uh, uh, going basically going in is the the Trojan Tully was uh, the. The guy who let him in, the look that he gives Edmure after Edmure gives the order to go find the blackfish in class and irons. There's just this look of disgust on his face. And I'm like, you know, Edmure just probably saved your life. You would die if we went to battle. Everyone in this castle would die if we went to battle. And Edmure basically just saved all your lives by be, by playing the chicken and doing this and giving up the castle. And you hate him for it. Well, if the Blackfish would have given up and given in to Brienne, they all would have been able to, to leave and go, go to the north. That's yeah, that, Jamie's word of honor. That that's true, and I kind of and I do actually believe that Jamie's word of honor would have been good on that. But you know, I thought it was very interesting to have Edmure basically have this moment where his underlings now hate him for basically saving their lives, and in a way, he's now Jamie to them because people hated Jamie. And what did he do? He slayed the king to keep the king from blowing up uh, King's Landing. He saved millions of lives, and everyone hates him for it. So Edgar basically is now just like Jamie. And I agree with you. I think some of the best scenes of the night um, were were all in that area. I mean, between uh, Pod and uh, what's his name? (laughs) The magic uh, cocks, yes. Pat Pod and Braun. Braun were absolutely, you know, amazing. Uh, they, I think I felt like it was really all of us uh, speaking through Braun, and then Braun, of course, trying to be like really brotherly and try to um, <laughs> try to go ahead and and you know help Braun. I mean, uh, Pod out with fighting and stuff like that. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. The of course. I'm always going to be a uh, a Jamie and uh, Brienne. Brienne lover. I'm a, that's my OTP, my one true pairing right there. And <laughs> uh, and so when I saw them together, I mean it was it was amazing. Their their chemistry, the way they talked to each other, uh, it was just thanks, Corey. With an <laughs> 
Anyway, it was really amazing. I really felt like there was a whole lot of chemistry there where, you know, you see Brienne really being receptive to it, where she's not so, uh, you know, receptive to the to the wildling uh, advances and stuff. And I don't mean like sexually like, ooh yeah, or whatever. But there, there's some kind of chemistry there, a respect. Um, it, it's Jamie an absolute and respect. And if it was a different world, you know, maybe a different soap opera. It, it, they would be together. Uh, He'd get it. He'd he get would. It. He would absolutely get it, and she would be absolutely giving it to him. Uh, so giving him the I mean, business. But I, I think. Go ahead. I think there was something a little more romantic. There was a. There was one more romantic scene from last night's episode that we haven't talked about, and it was uh, the the Brotherhood without banners talking about how to put one in the stink. Oh my um, god. <laughs> <laughs> Here I was hoping we just forget. We'd skip over that. I believe that man stole that other man's agency. Is what I <laughs> that was goddamn awful, and he smelled his finger yes. afterwards. Oh, he smelled it's it multiple not, times. I was it's like, not like he. It's not like he gave him a little boop. No, he stuck his finger he up the his oil. butthole. He, he, he checked the yeah. oil. Yeah. Talking talk about being receptive. Oh my god. I mean, good. And then god what he though. said afterward too was just terrifying. Oh. <laughs> Because if that's it's either he's either being a jerk or if that's true, then I don't want to live in that world. So it's just, it's just bad. well, at least the hound, at least the hound took care of all the all, all the trash then. But um, it sounds like we've all been we've all had our opinions on this episode, and it wasn't that great. Um, any 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 highlights from this episode? Any any favorite or or, or maybe worst moment from epi- this episode? You wanna you wanna quickly bring up um, before we close this out? Uh, you know, I think I, I know that y'all were like not in love with the chase scene but I do have to say that like I really liked the two I really liked Arya and the Waif as enemies and yeah. I'm sorry that they didn't do more with that um, but I have a feeling that probably the reason that was done off screen is because they didn't want to have a second Sand Snakes moment and that they were basically doing what they knew that Macy Williams and uh, 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 Faye Marseille could actually handle. I enjoyed the chase. I, I, I really did, too. Even and though I, I felt I, like I, I could hear Grover, the monster from Sesame Street, going in my head, over, under, around, and through. <laughs> yeah, anyway. I did I did tweet something out whenever uh, Arya fell through the basket of fruits. I was like, this is how we get ants and bravos. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Corey Thone, uh, favorite or worst moment from the episode? Worst moment was Blackfish dying off screen for nothing. Uh, mm-hmm. Best moment was just Arya getting the hell out of Bravo so we can end that three-year storyline. And now I'm just anticipating uh, in the next-to-last episode of the series when Danny's like, Oh, shit, i got to get to Westeros! And so they're like, <laughs> Oh shit! I forgot I had to do something really important. Oh yeah, <laughs> I left the oven on. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> Corey Smith, favorite. Um, you know, I, I like the stuff with Braun and the Hound. I mean, those are those are two of my favorite characters on the show. So, just having the Hound back is nice. Um, you know, I'm I'm kind of assuming I guess the whole point of the River Run storyline was to maybe have Jamie out of King's Landing. You know, I mean, yes. that's that's the only thing I yeah. can assume was the point of that. I mean, if you wanted to be, you know, if they were checking off everything on the list, yeah, you could, 
you know, people were probably wondering what happened to the Blackfish after the Red Wedding, but I don't, I mean, they could have accomplished, like, oh, we captured the Blackfish and he was executed, you know, and not had Shit, to man. film the whole episode worth of it's material. Like in the books, in, in the books, he escapes, he escapes the river run. Like he swims, he swims out of river run. Right, and so, he's still at like large. Like a fish. Like a fish, like a black fish. Yeah. So, um, but see, that doesn't that show, just like with Lady Stoneheart, that he plays no major role in the rest of the story. Neither does she. It's all just something that happens that's cool, and then when it's all said and done, they're not important to the story. Yeah, which, I mean, obviously, I mean, George R. R. Martin is notorious for storylines that don't go anywhere. Um, but, you know... I, You're going to get death threats. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I've read the I've read the books. I like the books. I'm not. It's just a you know. It's nobody's perfect. So, um, yeah. I mean, the stuff with Braun was and uh, the Hound was was kind of my favorite. I would love to see the Bra- I would love to see the Hound and Braun mix it up again, like they did in King's Landing in season two. Yeah. The Battle of Blackwater. Yeah. Like I would that would that would have been an amazing moment. Uh, Isis favorite worst moments from the episode. Uh, favorite moment is going to be uh, ja- uh, between Jamie and Brienne and then the Hound wrecking some dicks. Uh, worst <laughs> moment, finger in the ass. I, that was just... I, I don't... I, I, don't I, put, I, I put that out of my mind, you guys. Why did if, you I, if, I had a, if I had a nickel for every time someone said to me, worst <laughs> moment, finger in the ass, I could... Well, I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have bothered me so much if the other guy was okay and receptive to it, but it was it was a uh, uh, an unsanctioned finger in the ass. So <laughs> I, I don't. I mean, whether it's a woman or a man, you do need permission for that. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You need consent. Consent, people. <laughs> Special he consent. Did. He wouldn't have been dressed like a raider if he didn't want it that way. I'm just saying. I mean, that dude had to, like dig down his pants. Yeah, uh, he went for it. I gotta give the other he guy credit because like he sold out for that joke. Not only that was that was the equivalent. I don't know if you guys ever heard of the game Gay Chicken. But that's what we just witnessed. <laughs> he pulled the guy in as close as possible and then fondled him and then was like, ha ha, you're gay. Wait, what? Like, you just <laughs> you just stuck a finger in my butt. And the other guy was like, ha ha, this is, yeah. Woo. This, is a, this, this joke has you know gone what? too far. I, honestly, I bet the guys, I bet the other guys, the, the two guys that watched that happen are glad that they're everybody's dead. Because now they don't have to talk about that and what they witnessed. <laughs> Ever again. <laughs> Just like we should never talk about it ever again. Oh my god. Well, we got we got next week the Battle of the Bastards. We have John versus Ramsey. We have we have one one smashing face. We have the Boltons. We have Wildlings. We have all kinds of crazy insanity. And um I'm hoping that it is all that it's been hyped up to be since the beginning of filming for season six. Since Annie started writing her big spoilers on it, and we saw all the filming for it. When we first saw Kit Harrington alive and well, and Jon Snow man bun with Stark clothes on. Thanks, Daily Mail. Film. So, like, we hopefully this hopefully this will live up to the hype. I'm hoping so. Um, I just hope it's not a finger in the butt. Hashtag butt not. fingers, winter is coming. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Well, <laughs> especially if they're one one fingers. <laughs> oh, 
Oh! Oh, man! Ow! Oh, oh. Now I'm in pain. Snow. All right. Snow. So, um, that's going to be it for this week, guys. Uh, thanks for listening to us. And Please come back next week. I promise Please come back. I'll make some we behave, promise. Please. We promise not to put a finger in your ass and uh, if come it happens to on a... the show, we have to talk about it. Okay, we have to talk about it. But uh... talk about Dorn. I I would rather talk about butt fingers than Dorn. <laughs> Seriously, the longer this joke goes, the less people tune in next week. <laughs> you would be surprised. By the second, we're losing. Uh, so we lost. So we lost all one listener. Okay, oh. so <laughs> well, you, you can't count me. <laughs> you actually anyway. listen to the show. I, I actually do. <laughs> all with you. <laughs> all right, listen, guys. Thanks for listening. And uh, in all seriousness, all jokes aside, um, thoughts, prayers. We stand with you, Orlando, and um, we hope that the city and entire state can heal from this and uh uh we are with you we stand strong with you so for annie for Corey thone for Corey smith for isis this is razor uh good night good luck and valar and make no mistake the dead are coming dragons do not do well in captivity how do you know this that's what i do I drink and I know things. They have no idea what's going to happen.